There will be spoilers ahead. Lots of spoilers, so be careful, won't you? Welcome back to our Super Mega Explosion 200th episode, an episode so big we had to cut it into four episodes. But we're going to get back to Batman right now. I know it seems like Batman goes on forever, but no, no, no. Batman can't go on forever. Or can he? The facts. We can't stop there because we no. have Batman forever. <laughs> uh, it's, well, the movie feels like it does go on forever. So uh, almost everybody jumped in midship. Tim Burton said, yeah, I'll produce this, but I ain't going to direct it. And yeah. Michael Keaton says, hey, I've got my real estate, so see you later, bye. <laughs> and he actually would only have done it if Burton had come back because he liked working with Burton. Hmm. But uh, poll question, we actually had a couple votes for this one. Poll question. This was Jamie Kleinert's first choice. She explained, quote, Val Kilmer. Because dollar show bargains in the late 90s, my own high schooler level of emotional capacity at the time, and the kick-ass for the time, soundtrack, end quote. Well, thanks, Jamie. And if she's a uh, musician slash music teacher herself, I'll definitely take that. I would have taken it anyway, but she has extra knowledge. Val Coons. Val Coons. Where have I heard that? <sighs> eh, oh, well. She sneaks back in with, quote, and maybe the Val Kilmer one. I like the campy versions when they don't take it so seriously. I will say, I did like the set design of the Michael Keaton ones. To be completely honest, I stopped watching Caring years ago. This yeah. character has been done way too many times. Oh, she won't be listening. I haven't seen Lego <laughs> Batman, but I want to. The rest of them... <laughs> Wait, does that mean a negative vote for all the rest? I, I guess. <laughs> Thanks, Val. Trivia. Budget. A hundred million. Still going up. Yeah. Oddly, the take went up with it, which explains Batman and Robin. Hmm. The take was 336 million. Oh. Villains are not necessarily buddies. Apparently, Carrie and Jones did not get along, partially yeah, because yeah. Jones had no problem telling Carrie that he hated Carrie and his films. Well, Ooh, ouch. villainous indeed. So, who is really the main choice for the Riddler? As you remember... As you yeah. may remember, Robin Williams was used to used in a bait-and-switch scam to get Jack Nicholson to play the Joker, so while they wanted him, he wasn't gonna. Second choice, take a wild guess. Bobcat Goldthwait. You're not entirely <laughs> off? Yes, <laughs> you are. Batman, I'm gonna take you out of you. <laughs> yeah, the second choice... <laughs> Actually, that would have worked. I would have loved to see Bobcat Goldthwait. Or it be this game, Crusader! <laughs> um, the yeah. second choice apparently was Mickey Dolan's. For the <laughs> oh wow! Uh, I think he could have done the voice, but all right, sure, sure. As why I not? said, yeah, where's Keaton? He's not interested, as he didn't like where Joel Schumacher was taking the Batman chise. Ah, new word. <laughs> Enjoy uh, Batman chise. Don't ever say that again. Batman chise. Damned kids! A stuntman drove the Batmobile except for one scene, which Chris O'Donnell insisted he do himself when Robin takes it for a joyride. And yes. He did have an accident where he rammed into a curb and dented the fender. Oh, okay. Of course so, he did. Yeah. Why did Tommy Lee Jones take this role? Because his son's favorite Batman character was Two-Face. His son should get help. <laughs> Who was Bob Kane's favorite as Batman Bruce Wayne? Why? Val Kilmer, of course. Really? Yeah. Huh. To be fair, he died, I think, a year after this film came out, so he would never see George Clooney or... Christian Bale or whatever. Yeah. 
The original idea for this film was that of a prequel, and that would be based on Frank Miller's Batman Year One. They would instead use this as the basis, more or less, for Batman Begins and sort of kind of in The Batman. And more and more and more, but we're not even halfway done, so let's get to the plot. Batman is back, but blonde, and he faces two arch-nemeses, Two-Face, who is decidedly not Billy D. Williams, and the Riddler. When they team up to use a mind box that sucks information out of Gotham City's residents and use the infamous Red Triangle Gang to steal things, Batman has his hands full, but he has help. The help of Robin. The film. Yeah, so uh, did you see this when it came out? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, and um, well, Schumacher actually, to be fair, as a director, starts us off and lets us know right from the start what kind of movie this is going to be. Because it's uh, goofy from from frame oh, one. Yeah, and I've yeah. forgotten this because I haven't seen it since 1990. Whatever. Nicole Kidman's in this. Film. That's right, as Doctor Chase Meridian. Wanted you so much to say, Doctor Acula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now Chase Meridian, yeah, a psychiatrist who is obsessed with Batman. Yeah. Because why not? Well, that I don't even mind that so much. I don't know why she's here, but yeah. okay, she's. Yeah, she doesn't really do very much except get put in danger. Yeah. Well, there is that. At least we have two damsels in distress, and one of them's Robin. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, Chris yeah. O'Donnell. Oh, dear. Did you, see, okay, I want to come back to him. But okay. do you, rem you remember seeing this when it came out, and you don't remember I do. liking it? I do. Not, I did not like it. I liked Jim Carrey, because I was very into Jim Carrey at that point. Yeah. I thought he was fun as the Riddler. I was, remember watching Tommy Lee Jones and going, this is a complete waste of Tommy Lee Jones, and by the way, Where's Billy D. Williams? Did they just go, well, I need another. Uh, it was an actor with three names. <laughs> eh, same thing. Yeah. Um, I remember liking one thing about this film. It is the first time, and as far as I know, the only time in Batman's history where the character finally gets over the death of his parents. Uh -oh. And he actually says, you know what? I'm Batman because I choose to be, not because I have to be. And it feels like he's actually made some progress. Which you know, I forgot that. that. Yeah. Just enough of the plot for me. Okay. I just, I really liked that. It's like you've actually done something no one's done in 60 plus years of Batman. You've made him progress. <laughs> um, that being said, um, I rewatched it for the show. Max, did you rewatch it for the show? I did not. Good for you. <laughs> I would like everyone out there to give Max a round of applause because he is way you. smarter Thank than you. I am. Um, it is just dumb. It yeah. is so dumb, 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 dumb. Um, this time they, they've redesigned Gotham for the third time, although this time it has the Statue of Liberty in it, so uh, I guess it's <laughs> New York. Yeah, although traditionally in the comics, Metropolis was basically New York and Gotham was supposed to be Chicago. Yeah. Even though Gotham was a nickname for New York. Yeah, but the thing is, if you think about Chicago, Chicago has much more of... Well, that's not even fair. It's because it has all the history with the, uh, the underworld with the mob, and stuff, but, but so, so does do, New York. So does New York. No, Chicago course, ha always has sort of, in literary backgrounds, has more of a, a darker, grittier, more criminal background, even if it doesn't. Yeah. 
Um, one thing, though, we luckily get in this film, because at this point, it's really important to do this. We get Batman's origin again. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah, because, gosh, we sure wouldn't re we sure wouldn't remember the pearls falling or the, yeah. my parents are dead. Yeah, well, I wish we had that, but we don't. Yeah. No, this is the third Batman in film in a row where we get the origin of Batman. So um, let's go to the performances as best you can recall, Max. We sure. have um, Val Kilmer. Yeah. Who proves that he can be as dull as Michael Keaton if he tries really, really hard. I think he had a little more charisma. than I think he was a little more appealing. And he has that Val Kilmer, just the hint of a smirk going on. Yeah. Like, I know this is kind of silly, but I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah. But yeah, they, they give him nothing to do. I remember that very clearly. This is a weird bit of trivia. Apparently, he accepted the role when he was literally in a bat cave because he was doing research for his role in the ghost and the... I can't remember. And the, the, oh, the ghost in the darkness. Ghost in the darkness, right. Yeah. He was in Africa. And he got the call, and he was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And he <laughs> didn't know what he was doing. Oh, dear. Uh, and apparently he doesn't regret the film. He's like, eh, it's yeah. fine. Apparently Schumacher regrets him. Um, oh. He appreciates his performance, but was basically, I'm never going to work with him again. And well, he's supposed to be a little. He was supposed to be a little difficult. Yeah, I think one of the problems we have, and we see this with Keaton, is there's no dual nature to Batman. He's no. as dull with the cape as without it. He's there's yeah. nothing there. He doesn't even do. It's funny. Neither him nor Keaton do the sort the thing that even the Batman in the serials did, which was play. Bruce Wayne is a different person. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm so lazy and yeah, I'm so lazy and fussy. Oh. <laughs> uh, and this is just like, hi, I'm Batman. Hi, I'm Bruce Wayne. Okay. Yes. Oh, Dr. Chase, you're pretty. Hi. I'm into you and so's the so I'm into you when I'm wearing this silly hat. Yeah. And I said the chemistry between Kilmer and Kidman is nearly non existent. Yeah, there really is not much there there. Um Nicole Kidman's fine. It's a dumb role. It's I don't a think bad she, role. She try. She really tries. I don't think she uh, embarrasses herself. It's just she is capable of so much more. She can be so much better. She does kind of rock that black bodysuit, but mm. uh, other than that, no, she doesn't have. She has nothing to do. And then there's Chris O'Donnell. Well, let's, I want to come back oh, you, to him. You want to? I want to go to, to Tommy Lee okay. Jones first. Okay. Again, Tommy Lee Jones is a terrific actor. I, I love. I really like him. I think he's completely wasted in this. And it's a shame because Two-Face is a fascinating character. He's a really, in the comics and in a lot of other, uh, even in, in the animated series, which we're getting to, he's a psychologically fascinating character. He's like a dark version of Batman. He's the, the whole idea of a two-natured person mm. taken to the extreme. And in this, it's like, well, half my room is chaotic and half my room is kind of nice. Yeah, and I talk about myself in the third in the first person plural, and uh, it looks like he instead. I don't. I do not understand the makeup choice for this. He looks like he literally leaned against a pink wall. Yeah, like the makeup is awful. It looks literally like he's wearing half a mask. He doesn't look like he's been scarred. No, he, he looks like something left over from the 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 Beetlejuice uh, set. Well, and the line, the division down his face is so razor perfect yeah, that it's like, well, this couldn't have happened naturally. So, no. and they have a little origin of him in the courtroom, and it's like, yeah. oh no, acid and whatever. I, you don't care. He, I, honestly, the, he's one of the actors in this. One of the actors in this that I think is overplaying it. He overacts horribly. Now, to be fair, mm. 
If I were pitted up against Jim Carrey, I don't know what else I would do to try yeah, and you, you can't do subtle. Spotlight. You wouldn't show up on screen. But I talk about again waste. You know, he has those two henchwomen, Sugar and Spice. Yeah. That's Drew Barrymore and Debbie Mazur. I mean, I sat there and blinked and was like, is that Drew Barrymore? Yeah. Yeah, she's doing nothing. She has no. nothing, nothing to do. Nothing. Um, I just also you've got Chase Meridian. She's supposed to be talking about the dichotomy of people's, and she doesn't talk, do anything with Two Face. Nothing. You think and, he would be like a case study by himself? <laughs> oh no, she likes Batman better. Oh, the, whatever. Um, the half suits. The two. Oh my God, it's just awful. Um, he's not interesting. He's just a clown, and he's not yeah. a very very good one. Um, Jim Carrey. Mm. So we wanted Robin Williams. I think we're lucky we didn't get him. Because as much as we get of Jim Carrey, we would have gotten more of Robin Williams. Yeah, yeah. And that's, whether you like Robin Williams or not, again, Max really likes Robin Williams. I, I like do. his. I like his, the roles where he stretches himself more. The ones where he's just crazy and nuts, he, I just see that too many times. But he showed he actually has a dramatic side to him and did some really interesting roles later in his career. This would not have been one of them. And I got to say, Jim Carrey, oh my God. Uh, turn it down. He feels like the poor man's Robin Williams at this point. He's it just does feel like he's trying to do Robin Williams. And Frank Gorshin was over the top, too, but Frank Gorshin had that sudden burst of quiet intensity. Yeah. And Jim Carrey can't pull that off. He tries it a couple of times, and it doesn't work. And to me, he actually makes me appreciate Frank Gorshin even more, because... <laughs> Frank Gorshin, again, had that thing where he would just be really studious and his eyes would bug out and he'd go really sm slowly and he'd just like thinking or he'd just get lost in thought and then he would just go nuts. Then and it explode. Was, it was just fun, but it was never too much. And Carrie is just over the top all the time. And his origin is he works for Wayne Co. or whatever and... Bruce Wayne is basically wandering through, talking to his employees, and Edward Nigma, get it? <laughs> butts in and says, you have to look at my new idea. And to be fair, Bruce Wayne's going, okay, let's hear what you have to say, Edward. And he goes on about this contraption that beams stuff directly into people's heads. And Bruce comes back with basically... um what about the idea of you taking stuff out of people's heads? It's like, well, no, 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 no. He's like, but you have to give me an answer, Bruce, right now. And and Bruce is like, if I have to answer now, the answer is no. I have it's perfectly questions. reasonable. The ethical questions about this thing are are staggering. Which the Riddler will prove. Yes. And so he gets mad at Bruce Wayne because he didn't immediately see what a genius he was. And now I'm going to become a supervillain and hate Bruce Wayne. Okay. Yeah, I guess. I mean, to be fair, people have gone on rampages for similar type things, but it really felt like we need to get this out of the way. So, what, what's the first thing we got? That okay, we'll go with that. Yeah, they could have done. They could have made that more interesting, and they didn't. It just was too quick. I do. I did. The part I liked was he feels so betrayed because he's created this narrative in his head that he and Bruce Wayne are kindred spirits, and Bruce would understand him. And as it is true, if you a psychotic, if they run into something that challenges their fantasy, they react badly. Yeah. But, and you know, that could have, especially when we have a psychiatrist in the cast. Yeah. But that could have been interesting, but it's not. It's not. It's just goofy. And then because you keep wanting to come back to him, let's talk about Chris O'Donnell. Because I okay. have this feeling we're not going to agree. Chris O'Donnell. Max, what do you think about Chris O'Donnell? 
I kept forgetting he's in the movie. He doesn't have a lot to do. He doesn't, and I don't find him particularly interesting. I, I think he had uh, he was nice looking. He could do some. His delivery was adequate, but I found him completely forgettable. Well, and here's the thing: having rewatched the film, there's actually a lot more chemistry between him and Val Kilmer okay. than there's between Val Kilmer and um, uh, Cole I mean, Kidman. I have seen him play Robin recently. When we get to Batman, the next one, Batman and Robin, I just watched that recently. And he still doesn't impress me. Well, and the part is, there's way too much going on. Just like the last one, we've got two villains, yeah. villains, and we're introducing the psychiatrist character who's just for the movie. And, and we're, we're adding Robin. Yeah, and it's, it's just too much. We need to stop adding things. The thing is, is there is a dynamic when, when Bruce Wayne first takes Dick Grayson in because he feels bad because he was not really responsible for... The, the death of Dick Grayson's parents, but feels he was because it's all echoing back to his, be, you know, blah, 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 blah. There's a real push and pull between the two of them because basically Bruce is trying to come at t- to Dick with this, hey, I've been there. I know what you're going through kind of thing. I just can't tell you I'm Batman. I'll just wait for Alfred to tell you. Because <laughs> that's what Alfred does. Well, he in doesn't In three really. of the four movies, actually in all of the movies practically, he says, hey, guess what? You want to know, know his secret identity? Come on with me. No, he doesn't. What happens is there's a door that... Dick Grayson's like, what's behind the door? And Alfred says, "Eh, it's just a silver closet. Now run along. So, of course, he's instantly like, I wonder what's behind the door. And the next time Alfred goes in, he literally gymnastics his way in, slides on the floor through the door that's just about to close, and, of course, goes through the trap door ends up in the Batcave. But there's this dynamic between Bruce and Dick where he's like, I understand what you're going through. If you'll listen to me, I can help you through it. And Dick is just Young and impulsive, says, "Up yours, old man," and takes off with the car. <laughs> and he, and this is where we get. It's the car. The chicks dig the car, and he's out there <laughs> pretending he's Batman and stuff, just like he would be. And I, I I'm gonna actually say I think it's the writing. Uh, and the writing in this film is terrible. Uh, the directing's not gonna write the right home about anymore. But I actually, there's a tiny little glimmer of something that could have been interesting, and okay. the only place it exists is between those two. I am yeah. not saying it's good. Um. And a lot of people were like, why has Robin got an earring? And why are the cod pieces so big? <laughs> um, and and, and, and the, why are there nipples on the suit? Yeah, although they won't be as obvious as they will be in the next film. Yeah, but yeah. Again, I don't think this film in any way reflects its time. We're in the mid-90s at this point, something like that. Um, I, I, sure, is it, does this fit into the Batman comic oeuvre? I guess, yeah. if, if you tilt uh, your head kinda. sideways. I, I don't think it's a particularly good representation again. It also, I, like, I don't think, respects it. Even the joke of when Robin says, holy rusted metal. Yeah. A little throwback to this. It's like that. And then it's like, what? Well, look, yeah. it's full of holes and it's rusted. It's like, okay, that was uncalled for. It's one of those things that's meant to be cute and just rips you right out of the film. Does not work. Yeah. Um. I am actually quite amazed that the film did as well as it did. My feeling is that a lot of it probably had to do with Nicole Kidman and Val Kilmer. Um, Because there's not really anything for me to recommend the rest of this film. Jim Carrey was a big big star at that point. He was probably a draw. I will say that the plot of beaming old Bugs Bunny cartoons directly (laughs) into people's heads, that's a good idea. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, and then we get to the death traps. Eh, Yeah, whatever. Anyway. 
we have one more to do in this yep. series. And then Max All gets right. to talk again. <laughs> <laughs> the facts. Batman and Robin. Oh, boy. Poll question. We had an answer for this. Poll question. Brian Mundo surprised me here. This is his favorite. He wow. stated, quote, oh, the one with Poison Ivy and Mr. Freeze. It was so campy and cartoony and fun, end quote. I can't argue the campy and cartoony. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. that. Budget. It's not a guess. Somewhere between 125 and 160 million. Wow. And finally, we come to the end with a take of just 238. That, dear listeners, is not a success. Nope. And good. Even director Joel Schumacher apologized for this movie, saying that the WB was forcing him to make a more, quote, toyetic, end quote, film. Toyetic. Reasons. Yeah. Yeah, merchandisable. Though I'm sure the offer is now void, apparently George Clooney used to refund people who'd paid to see this movie. <laughs> he was also quoted as saying on the last day of filming, quote, I think we just killed the series, end quote. And he was right. Good for <laughs> yes, you, George. Was. Yeah. The poor performance of this movie is what tanked Tim Burton's interesting take on Superman called Superman Lives, which was going to star Nicolas Cage as Not Superman. the kryptonite! <laughs> and hey, take a look online. There's actually some footage and some stuff and it's like, that would have been nuts. Okay. Yeah. That would have been bat beep crazy. <laughs> not a single bat was hurt in the making of this film as it was oh, the good. only one of the series to not actually have live bats in it. So there. No villains were hurt either. Unlike the other Batman movies in this series, none of the villains actually die here. They just get oh, shrunk right. or head to Arkham Asylum. That way, there's toys. If you squint real hard and pay close, close attention, you might just recognize Corey Haim as one of the biker gang members just over the one-hour mark. Oh, dear. Yeah. Secret identity. This is the only of this series of films in which no one learns the identity of the Caped Crusader. Um, except for Batgirl. Well, but she, yeah, none of the villains. Ah, uh, um, okay. And again, we could go on and on and on, but we already have. Plot. Batman and Robin and Batgirl team up against Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy. And Bane. Wild! <laughs> Who will come out on top? Who will outact who? And wait, is that a third actor to play Batman? What the hell is going on? Gah! Bat nipples! <laughs> <laughs> the film. So once again, Max, you saw this when it came out, or did you? Were you smart I enough did. To no, no, it? I went and saw it. <laughs> and does your head shake back and forth to this day because of this movie? I'm Batman. Ever I, st I still can't feel the left side of my face because of this movie. Uh, Do you remember your reaction at the time? Yeah, I remember thinking, okay, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to do this anymore. I just, it's like, wow, you guys just gave up. Well, Max, my estimation of you has always been high, and I hope you do not disappoint. Did you watch this again for this show? Yes, I did. You know that because I watched it with you. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yep. Oh, well. Max is a trooper. Yeah. That's all I will say. Yeah. Max is a trooper. Wow. Um, like the last film, the opening of this theme, which is a dress-up scene, literally sets the tone for everything. They zoom in on the nipples. They zoom <sighs> in on the butts. They zoom in on the thighs. Yeah. I wrote everything in this movie sucks from the first flicker. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I I said, and we start right away with the goofiness. I got to say, Mr. Freeze's visual design is actually kind of interesting until he starts talking. (laughs) Well, at least we go back to the origins, the the German Mr. Freeze, although the first Mr. Freeze in the 66 Batman show was George Sands. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Otto friggin' Preminger. (laughs) Wild! Mr. (laughs) the, 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 The... Genius director, a guy who directed Spartacus, is friggin' Mr. Freeze in the TV show. Uh, I think actually Spartacus was directed by the guy who did 2001, which was. That was not Kubrick. Kubrick. No. Spartacus? I think it was. No, sorry, that's right. That was for both Dalton Trumbo. What was he doing? Yeah, well, whatever. He he was a major director. Yes. And, and also in the movie Sunset Boulevard. Yes. But, yes, we had the governor here in. Uh, sure. Honestly, at this point, why the hell not? <laughs> and by the way, I have to point out, you are you are wrong, Winky Breath. There is uh, one villain is actually killed. It's but not just, by Batman. Nope, <laughs> no, not by Batman. And that is John Glover, for some reason, is in this as Dr. Jason Woodrow, who hardcore comic book nerds will recognize as the Floronic Man. Even though he isn't the Floronic Man in this, he is just a be- an evil scientist, and Poison Ivy kills him. And he's not even Crispin Glover's father, so there. No, he should be, but he is. <laughs> that would not. be Martin Glover. Yeah, uh, I said been this Danny ma- Glover, but yes, <laughs> no relation. I said that this made the 1966 movie look restrained and refined. Yeah, yeah, that it really does. There's a kind of of elegance to the 66 because <laughs> this. Oh, good lord! You know. Ice skates popping out of the backs, the bottom of their boots. They're fighting bad guys with hockey sticks. Ice puns everywhere. What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. <laughs> or and the best one, Adam and Evil. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, and poor Uma Thurman, who I like. I think Uma Thurman can do some really good work. She just... <laughs> She's doing a bad Mae West impression in this. And she starts off trying... At times, she's trying to do... It's like, hi, I'm going to do the Selena Kyle. Look, I'm frumpy because my hair is messy and I'm wearing glasses. And then she turns into Uma Thurman. So, doing the research, I left this out of the uh, trivia. She loved doing the film. She still thinks it's one of the best times she ever had on set. I believe it. She's having a good time. (laughs) Pity the audience isn't. (laughs) No, she is just like, I'm having a blast. I don't care if anyone's enjoying it, and no one was. Yeah. Did you notice what they injected into Bane, what they actually called the stuff? I was amazed. Isn't it called Venom? No. It's called the Super Soldier Serum. Oh, oh, I missed that. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently you wow. don't get Captain America after all. And but he didn't whatever. throw a mighty shield or anything. Or lunch. Um, talk about the, the unbelievable fisting that that character gets. Because <laughs> he does. Bane is yeah. actually a really interesting character. He's a tactical genius. He's incredibly smart. He's articulate. I don't know why he wears a luchador mask, except it's part of his cultural background. He's. I think he's... Uh, either he's Mexican or he's Colombian. No, I think he's Mexican. Yeah, and I remember that there were they, he, his name is in the film and it is Hispanic. I just don't yeah. remember what it is. Yeah, and he, you know, he's the one he actually breaks Batman's back. He's a he's a major character, and in this he's just like Hulk smash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said he's even stupid for Bane. Bane, yeah, as you yeah. said, is actually supposed to be a very intelligent yeah strategist. And, 
Uh, I never liked the main character, but that's mm. fine. Um, honestly, I thought this film overall looked like the Croft Super Show with more money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of was. Sid and Marty Croft with a budget. That's what they would come up with. And the, the, only, the only way I can, I can explain this film is a bunch of l- very top-name actors lost a very big bet. <laughs> I, yeah, they must have been playing cards or something, or they somebody got really drunk and I signed what? Yeah, and I get to say this because I can. This is easily, to date, the gayest Batman. <laughs> <laughs> How so? Um, well, come on. The close-ups Apart from of the, the long, bat butts, lingering the shots nipples. of... Yeah. Oh, it is. It is gay. It is <laughs> just gayer than gay. Um, and apparently, so is Joel Schumacher. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, Ivy, George, Poison Ivy is kind of playing it a little like a drag queen. Sure. Um, apparently, George Clooney does a really good impersonation of Joel Schumacher on the set. I saw him on a, a bit uh, on uh, um, Graham Norton, which uh, was uh, yeah. Everybody in your places. It's like okay, dear. <laughs> that explains a lot. And we, Alicia we get cartoon so- sound effects here. Yes, we do. Boing. We yeah, we get boing thonk all that. We we get the bat credit card. <sighs> Don't leave home. I never leave home without it. Which I guess is like—is that supposed to be a callback to the first movie? With well, Max, what's its expiration date? Never. Forever. Oh, forever. Excuse me. Just like the last movie. Yeah, Get it? Yeah, Get it? Yeah. <sighs> this is a painful film. It is. Um, for all the people who say they don't like the 1966 film because it's too goofy and it's not the real Batman, I challenge you to find this film um, better than that. Because it's not. It's way uh, worse. I will give you one. I will say one thing. Arnold Schwarzenegger's performance <laughs> a couple of times actually has some real emotion to it. When he's dealing with his wife? He's dealing with his wife, and when ba- he finds out that Poison Ivy tricked him into thinking Batman killed his wife, and his wife still... That scream. There's real feeling in there. He has, like... Most of it's just absurd, and as usual, no, I'm doing bad. I sponsor with this, with the bat and the cars and the rockets and the fantastic things. And but once in a while, a little bit creeps out, like when he's just looking at her. And it, it, it it's kind of worse that way. It's like, oh, you could have made this character interesting, which they do in another incarnation that we'll talk about. But yeah, there's nothing other than that. There's nothing. I mean, nothing. The plot doesn't make sense. I noticed you didn't really try to summarize it. Please don't. The fact I, you know, my suit is powered by diamond-powered lasers that keep me cool. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. I'm sorry, it doesn't. I did summarize the plot, but like this film, it was forgettable. And why is Dr. Isley trying to breed an orchid and a snake? Does she know how biology works? <laughs> well, when a snake and a flower love each other uh, very, very much, yeah. Yeah, no, this this is just awful. And Alicia Silverstone is in this movie. Okay, oh. so moving on. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I don't really know her from anything. I know her from Clueless, where she's adorable. Oh. Okay. And she does a really nice job, but she... Talk about giving nothing to do. She and Chris O'Donnell are just sort of like, ah, uh, hi, we're here. Well, they bicker. They bicker. I guess they're supposed to have chemistry. They don't. No. Uh, do you, this film, I don't think, represents its time at all, either again, mid-90s. Nope. I don't feel 90s. No, this felt like a throwback. This felt like yeah. they were trying to go back. They were trying to do a 60s movie, and 
No, this this is a way. Okay, it's funny. It is very unintentionally funny. It. The problem is it's too long for yeah. one of those. It's so bad. It's good movies. Parts of it are hilarious. I still crack up it, when they're in Mister Freeze's hideout and he is conducting his thugs singing the Snow Miser song <laughs> from the year without a Santa Claus. That's funny. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. It doesn't fit anything else, but it's funny. I want to say, too, that besides the fact that, to me, this does not represent any particular era of the Batman comic that I can think of, even the goofy stuff in the in the yeah. 50s and 60s, we, throughout this series have dealt less and less and less with the title character to the point in this film where we don't deal with Batman as a character at all. Um, there's sort of kind of a love interest, but it's not so, for it. Not really. It's he's, there, he's dating somebody. I forget her name. Oh, oh yeah. He was dating. Who was it? Was it Claudia? I don't care. Yeah. Some, um, some actual supermodel who we're supposed to believe they're dating and sure. No. Yeah. Um, he has to deal with the kids. Okay, fine, whatever. Bat dad. <laughs> Jen! Jen! <laughs> but Seriously, look up bat dad on the, on the YouTube. Um, by all means, bat dad's awesome. Uh, there just does not seem... Like, they've totally lost the idea that they're adapting anything. Yeah, it's, this was... This is just silly. Toyetic? Yeah. So this yeah. is meant to yeah. be for toys. We're selling things. Um all it sold me on was not wanting to watch another Batman movie. So that's the, the four that was connected all, Yep, films. the four 80s and 90s sp- where do, spawn of Burton. Where do we go from here, Max? Well, we leave the big screen and go to the small screen with uh, one brief stopover on the big screen. Mm. We go back to 1991, Batman the Animated Series. Oh, it's a cartoon. How good could that be? <laughs> we have a couple of uh, poll question answers for that. We do. Question. Yes, Matt Reisman, when asked what's his favorite Batman, he says, Kevin Conroy. It counts because Mask of the Phantasm got a theatrical release, which we'll get to. Conroy's Batman was still human and still heroic, even if he was largely serious. Batman going too dark, too broody makes him a parody of himself, and it's just not enjoyable to watch. Conroy's Batman was far more well-rounded compared to any other, and I think it benefited from being able to develop and hone the character in the animated series before the movie was released. Ned, a.k.a. Cheese Boy, says, for his favorite, it's the animated Batman. I'm sorry. The closest live-action versions are Psy, the Tim Burton version, (laughs) and Robert Battenson. (laughs) I thought it was cute. The Dark Knight movies are fine, but they're more important for superhero movies and cinema overall than they are for Batman as a character. That's an interesting take. Mm. So, Batman the Animated Series ran from 1991 to 1995. 85 episodes. Went through some pretty serious changes. Fox started, or uh, Warner Brothers, whoever it was, started shoving their hand in there pretty hard. It was very heavily influenced by both Tim Burton's Batman films and by the Superman cartoons from Flesher Studios in the 40s. Mm. It was created and designed by uh, Eric Radomski, Bruce Tim. Paul Dini, bunch of guys, and uh, of course the great vo- voice director Andrea Romano. If you have seen any superhero cartoon show and thought, "Wow, that's great voice casting," I guarantee you that's Andrea Romano. Oh, interesting! I did not know that. There, there is so much to talk about about this, but most of what I have is trivia. It's harder to do because this is a series, eighty-five episodes. Right. 
Um, Kevin Conroy is the first animated Batman and one of the few Batman in general to use two different voices for <laughs> Batman and Bruce Wayne. <laughs> he intentionally he doesn't do the voice alteration thing that Affleck does, and he does he pitches his voice differently. When he's Bruce Wayne, he's talking sort of higher pitched, a little lighter, and then when he's Batman, he's down here, deeper voice, very impressive. Robin. Was not terribly interested in this. I don't even remember who voiced him. It was nobody impressive. That was one of the the uh, problems that uh, the the studio had. They said we got to have more Robin. We want to get the kids. Every episode, it's like, is Robin in this? No, put him in it. That's why, like by second season, they started calling it the Adventures of Batman and Robin. Yeah. This show gave us not just an iconic look for a lot of people. This the the look of this show defined Batman. For a long time, it gave us two very popular original characters who made it from the show into the comic book. And you're going to say Harvey Bullock, but no, Harvey Bullock actually was already in the comic book. They, they fleshed him out. They made him more interesting. But it was two women, Renee Montoya, one of the Gotham City PD, who would go on in the comic book to become the question, the replacement question, and Batwoman's girlfriend, and Dr. Harleen Quinzel, better known as Harley Quinn, who was supposed to be a one-off character, who was just supposed to show up once, people friggin' loved her. One of the most, the most, the best-known voice casting in this show, of course, was Mark Hamill as the Joker. He was not the first choice. It was going to be Tim Curry. Oh, wow. Yeah. There are several explanations for why it wasn't him. One, he apparently developed bronchitis during the initial recording sessions and it wrecked his voice for a while. However, the studio also thought his take on the Joker was too scary. <laughs> there was also totally some concern that the voice he was using was too close to his voice of Hook from Peter Pan and the Pirates and Conk in the cartoon everyone remembers Pirates of Dark Water. Oh, yeah, when my Conk die, everybody yeah. cry. <laughs> die. Uh, now, Mark Hamill says the voice of the Joker is a mix of Claude Rains... Jay Leno, Pee Wee Herman, and the head blue meanie from Yellow Submarine. And <laughs> okay. if you think about it, I can, I can hear every one of those. Uh, he got the laugh he said he credited from the one he developed playing Salieri on Broadway in Amadeus. Hmm. We had a, the voice cast in this is amazing. And this is just the regular characters. We had the great Brock Peters as Lucius Fox. The singer Paul Williams as the Penguin nails oh, yeah. it. Adrian Barbeau, best known mostly as the sort of the, sec the sex pot from the seventies and eighties movies, as Catwoman. Richard Maul, oh. old from Night Court, as Two Face. Ed Asner for Roland <laughs> Daggett. John Glover again as the Riddler. Michael, Ka uh, this is who, Ka who also played Kang. Michael and Sarah as Mr. Oh, right. Freeze. He played Kang. Excuse me. Yes. David Warner as Rachel Ghoul. And even Adam West shows up as a character called the Grey Ghost, who was supposed to be one of Bruce's uh, inspirations. Uh, like I said, there was a lot of meddling. Oh, it was Fox, initially, who wanted a lot more focus on Robin. Season yeah. 3 became the adventures of Batman and Robin. Ooh. This fed very nicely into the movie. The, this is the only theatrical release. There were several other like straight-to-video movies based on this Batman but Batman Mask of the Phantasm, which is very loosely based on both Batman Year One and Batman Year Two. Uh, there's a plot in Batman Year Two. It's very, very similar 
to uh, the Phantasm, except it has a character called the Reaper instead of the Phantasm. And this also led into another one, Batman Beyond. Mm. Talk about a little. Uh, did you watch this show? I did. I think everybody did. This was like yeah. a kid show that's not a kid. I mean, it, it, it's, it's kind of a it kid is. show, but it's also... It's when you get a group of people in the creative roles, not necessarily just the actors, but the people behind the scenes, producers, directors, etc. Paul Dini is like kind of the big name that obviously love the subject matter and they manage to make something despite the people that are paying them. And I think that's what kind of what happened here. And their take on Batman is so much better than Tim Burton's. Yes, it, really it is, is still brightly colored. Yes, it uses the same theme song. Yes, yep. the design doesn't make sense in the real world. It's a cartoon. Who cares? Sure. But there's some stunning depth in this series. Strangely, the only thing I have not seen, I have never seen Mask of the Phantasm. I don't know why. I just never have. Huh. It's but remarkable. It's really good. It's also, it, it's more adult. I mean, people actually die in it. Nobody dies in, uh, or almost nobody dies in the animated series. But, like, I remember them actually doing some depth on Clayface, for yeah. example. Like, there's, he becomes a way more interesting character than he was previous to this. The Mad Hatter, who was just a goofy character, they make him kind of tragic. And he's voiced, by the way, by Roddy McDowell. Oh, wow. Interesting. And okay. he just talks about Batman ruined his life. And it, it's... Of course, Roddy McDowell was the bookworm. Yep, yep. <laughs> um. It was it was one of those things where you would come home if you were in college uh, or you know from your job and you would watch it. You yeah, would catch up on I this, did. and I watched all of them. Um, I actually have it all on Blu-ray. I haven't gone back and rewatched it. Sadly, the thing that to me does not hold up with this series is the literal animation. The actual movement is not very good. No, the movement animation is not great. The visual designs are terrific. Yeah. Up until I think it's the last season. When they did a really radical redesign of a lot of the characters, especially the Joker and Catwoman, and they just look weird. Yeah. And let's face it, Kevin Conroy would carry Batman for, uh, I mean, he's still showing up once in a while, yes. still doing it in video games and stuff. Kevin Conroy, and I know Matt uh, Reisman said this, but for me, orally, he's kind of my Batman. Yeah. Like, that voice is just great. It, it, it nails it. And the fact that he has a different voice for Bruce Wayne. Yeah, and it's just lighter and you know more casual, but he can really get that. You see, if he does that, I'm Batman, which he doesn't. You would be afraid. You believe that criminals would be afraid of this guy. Well, and he has this this kind of quiet strength, like he doesn't need to overdo it. And you know, you if you compared this is a weird comparison, but if you compared Christian Bale's, which we'll get to in a minute, to Kevin Conroy's. I kind of prefer Kevin Conroy's because there is a strength without having to force it. Um, we do occasionally delve into Batman's past. His origin is told more than once. Yes, but they even that they handle really well. Yeah. One of the best episodes, I don't want to start doing the, oh, this was a great episode, that yeah. was a great episode. But one of the best is the Mad Hatter basically puts him in a trance and lets him live out his ideal world. In that, and in this world, his parents never died. He's engaged to Selina Kyle. He's happy. And it's heartbreaking because he's like, this is wrong. I'm not supposed to be happy. Yeah. 
And he eventually figures his way out. This is also a big part of Mask of the Phantasm. He originally, it, it, it's again, it's the, the, it takes place in the first year or two of him being Batman. Uh, also, by the way, the voice of Alfred was Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. And uh, he also, he's really good the, in Phantasm when, he, when uh, Bruce comes out and he's wearing the Batman outfit for the first time and he just looks at him and goes, my God, he's actually afraid, not of the mask. So I read a comment about this once. Said he's uh, he's terrified by what he has seen Bruce turn into now. Yeah, that Bruce has found this darkness inside of himself, and he's put it on the outside. But in this movie, he fall, in Phantasm, he falls in love, and he's ready to give up being Batman. And he asks his Uh-oh. parents to forgive him. He says, "I can't do it. I, I never thought I'd actually be happy." And I, I have, if I have to choose between love and Batman, I'm going to choose love. And then, of course, she the woman leaves. Mm. Oh, I thought she died because somebody killed no. her. But no, she oh. disappears. Yeah, yeah. And I, I won't say anything else because it gives away some stuff. Again, Mark Hamill is in it as the Joker, and he's awesome. Yeah, Mark Hamill. He would have a second career basically by doing voiceover, and yeah. this is his this, biggest role. <laughs> this is not just his biggest role. This is his breakout role as a voice actor. He was doing bits and pieces here and there. He had a pretty bad movie career in the uh, 80s and yep. early 90s. This turned him into the titan of voice acting that he is now. Yeah. I don't think he has nearly as good a range as some other people. No, like, probably like not. Like, his characters tend to sound a little... Yeah. Like, I'm just gonna say. But his Joker is so iconic. Him it's, and Kevin Conroy. Really, yeah. those two? Yep. That's the whole series right there. And it's not that other people don't do a good job, but their takes are so fresh and so full of depth that you would... And even and Harley, the woman who does Harley Quinn too. I want to say because I'm not a big Sorkin. fan of. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of Harley Quinn as a character, but the fact that she was a throwaway character and became this thing all on her own because of this show mm-hmm. says a lot, not only about her performance but about the people who made this show. Yeah, yeah, she's she really comes she, and the friendship she has with Poison Ivy and Poison Ivy, like they give her more depth. So she's not just some crazy woman; she's an eco terrorist. Right. She wants she you know believes that plants need to take take over the world again. Well, and that's when Batman's quote unquote villains are the most interesting is when yeah. they're not really villains. They've actually got both a good idea and they're they have their heart in the right place. It's just the way they're doing it is hurting people or or, or they're just so badly damaged that they you know, right. the world's hurt them so much they want to hurt it back. Uh this is, I, this, you know, if we have to add, this is one of my favorite interpretations of Batman. I think it's one of the ones that works the best. It keeps the character firmly in the comic book type world, yeah. but it gives it enough depth and gravitas that it, it, it achieves a realness that the movies almost never do. Like, you buy it. Whereas when you think about it, you look at Michael Keaton, you go, really? This guy goes out and fights crime? Really? <laughs> Bang. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't, yeah. And, it, again, I don't think that the, the animation lives up. I think the animation is actually pretty crude, which is a budgetary thing. But yeah. we come back to this over and over again. All the budget in the world is not going to help you tell a better story. Yeah. If you've got a good story, that's what's going to matter. And that's why people still remember this version of Batman, because it was so well told. Not yeah. every episode is a gem. No, they aren't all winners. But what they were doing for a quote-unquote kids cartoon 
not only does it reference its original material, it really kind of exults in it. And mm -hmm. it takes it to a new place without removing itself from that material. And so I think this, in a lot of ways, does reflect both the times. It also reflects the tastes of the fandom, which has not been reflected, really. Yeah. It also points to the fact, remember I talked about this back in 43, 49 Batman. The audience for Batman was originally supposed to be kids. Yeah, like, 10 to 12-year-olds. Yeah, and up through the 60s and 70s, that's the way it stayed. And then somehow then in the shift. 60s and 70s, what happened was the people who were reading comics when they were 10 and 12 just kept reading them. <laughs> and they were now in their 40s and 50s. And they were a very large chunk of the audience for Batman amongst other uh, comic book characters. And I think the first time we're actually seeing this in a way addressed is Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> That's my feeling. Yeah, no, I think that works. They, they, a lot of the themes are more mature. They're still dealt with. There's a kind of childish simplicity to some of it. Mm -hmm. Except, again, some... I mean, the, the Joker is just evil. He's just terrible. But there are some who are kind of... Like, Do Mr. Freeze, the comparison between him and the and Arnold Schwarzenegger's version. <laughs> the one in, in Batman the Animated Series, Mr. Freeze is tragic. All he wants is to restore his wife, but he's this... He, he wonders sometimes if he's still human, if he's still capable of love. He explores some pretty deep stuff. Yeah. This is a... We, we've said this before in a lot of films um, when we talk about how when you're writing for kids, that doesn't mean you get to write badly mm. or you don't... You shouldn't respect your audience. Yes, these are ostensibly for kids. I'm sure that people like Bruce Tim. Um, and Paul Dini understood there's going to be adults watching this too. And that means that you should keep your writing good and crisp. Yeah. And it worked. So It really did. So we move back to the live action screen. Yeah. So now, speaking of, of Batman being dark and brooding, mm. we start with Batman Begins, which you may remember wasn't all that long ago. Yeah. For the poll question, we have uh, two people for this one. Jamie Kleinert is back with one more insight. Poll question. Quote, Bale brought out the melancholy and angst of the character's past. That would They would be my runner-up. End quote. Good call all around. Thanks, Jamie. <clears throat> A second vote for this movie comes from Adam Mark. Quote, The Dark Knight. Uh, which, to be fair, is the next one. Yeah. Heath Ledger's performance. I don't know why I put this here. This actually goes with... I'll read it now. I've started reading it, but... Um, Anyway, The Dark Knight, Heath Ledger's performance is one for the ages so truly sinister it lingers with you. I also enjoy how the story is laid out almost as a fable of good versus evil and to what lengths one should, should not go to to thwart evil. A lot of moral quandaries, the fairies of innocence and convicts, Batman taking the fall for the Joker, etc., which are not too heavy-handed. A masterpiece that really transcends the superhero genre. It should have won the 2009 Oscars Best Picture, but Slumdog Millionaire won. I'd, but I'd wager if... <laughs> A few have thought much of that since then, end quote. Those are all good points, Adam, and I'm sorry I put that with Batman Begins, but oh well. <laughs> That's all right. We've already done The Dark Knight. See our episode on The Dark Knight. Right. Um, real quick trivia for Dark Knight. Budget, $150 million. Take, 373 So uh, a success. Wait, was this Dark Knight or, or Batman Begins? Batman Begins. Okay. So only sort of a success, yeah. as these days you're supposed uh -huh. to make, make back three, three times, times the yeah. budget. Hmm. For whatever reason, though he performed most of his own stunts, actor Christian Bale was not allowed even close to the Batmobile. 
don't know. Well, that thing looks like military hardware, so probably you're not allowed to drive it. This I found really interesting. This movie, with its much darker tone, was what convinced the producers of the James Bond franchise to reboot it in a much darker, less silly way. Huh. Good. Yeah. Nice job, boys. <laughs> who, uh, who chose Christian Bale? Christian Bale himself. Okay. After reading the short graphic novel Arkham Asylum, the actor told his agent that as anyone was making a new Batman movie, he wanted in. I found that surprising, too. Yeah. Considering the first time I saw him, he was a kid in a Shakespeare film, but there you go. Yeah. Of course, he is later carrying the banner, but... Yeah. <laughs> the script was sent out to prospective actors such as Michael Caine with no mention of Batman about it. Caine thought he was signing on to some kind of gangster picture. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as I sometimes yeah. do. Uh, second go-around for Tom Cruise's go-arounds, Katie Holmes is the second ex of Mr. Top Gun to play a Batman oh, love yeah. interest. Nicole yep. Kidman was the first. No jumping up and down on the sofa this time. <laughs> this is the second time David Duchovny was considered for the role of Batman. The last was in oh, Batman and Robin. Luckily I will be portraying the sleepy-voiced <laughs> Batman. <laughs> Actually, my line was, luckily for all involved, the sleepy-eyed actor was not chosen. And more. The plot. This is much darker. No, really, this time yeah. it is. Take on the origin of Batman. Bruce Wayne, haunted by the death of his parents, seeks the skills needed to become vengeance in the night. He goes to great lengths to learn martial skills and spends huge amounts of his family fortune to build the arsenal he'll need against the evil underworld of Gotham City. But with the rise of superhero comes the rise of an equally super villain. Or is it two villains? Watch and see. The film. So as Max pointed out, we've done... Did we do Batman Begins before? No. We no, just did we The did Dark, Dark Knight. You saw this when it came out, I'm sure. I did, and I've seen it since. And what did you think? It's funny. Uh, some of it I really liked. And some of it I felt like, oh, so close. Okay, so what parts were, did you think were so close? Uh, mostly the ending. Um, the story just got more and more absurd. Mm. Like, okay, you're going to use the Scarecrow's fear grass with this magic weapon that vaporizes water and it's going to make all the pipe... What? Mm. It's like, this seems needlessly complicated. Why not just blow things up? <laughs> I will uh, say the Scarecrow is a villain I've never really considered, and the way he's portrayed in this is pretty freaking scary. It is. At, again, Batman the Animated Series, their version of the Scarecrow... Uh, they do two different visual styles of him. The second one is friggin' terrifying. It's got a noose around his neck. He's carrying a scythe. that's really disturbing. It has too many villains, again. Uh, it makes it choppy. And I know they try to string them together. It feels very forced. Mm. Um, there were also a couple of points where I'm going, all right, you're trying to shoehorn in stuff from Batman Year One. Yeah. The bit where he summons, where he, <laughs> I'll call my batty friends... <laughs> <laughs> Which in the comic book worked really well. It was really interesting. In this, it's like okay, this was utterly unnecessary. It's way, it was just it felt like fan service. Yeah. Again, I didn't feel the whole thing held together as well. I, I liked a lot of it, but overall, I don't think it, it it held together as well as spoiler the Dark Knight does. Yeah, I'm that's yeah, I'm not going to disagree. I will say. Filmically, as this is the first time around, we get some series-shattering performances mm. 
as characters in this. Oh, yeah. Not least of which is uh, Lucius Fox, because I... This is a Morgan character I didn't Freeman. know anything about. Yeah, Morgan... I mean, I like Morgan Freeman in anything. Let's just yeah. face it. But we get some... Even some of the bit players. Tom Wilkinson. I mostly know Tom Wilkinson from The Full Monty. And sure. he's playing oh, he's uh, Boss Falcone. Yep. And he does a great gangster. He does great. Um, we've got, I'm going to mispronounce his name, Cillian Murphy as Dr. Yep. Jonathan Crane. Yep. Even Rutger Hauer, who's in a tiny little role, has got that sense of weight, like that don't mess with me weight that you're like, yeah, maybe There's I should There's a lot not. of gravitas in this movie. And uh, Chris, uh, Michael Caine is great as Alfred. I think he's a terrific choice. Yeah, I and like him as well. Christian Bale, when he says, I'm Batman, it's like, yeah. Okay, I completely believe that Falcone just just wet himself. <laughs> um, Ken Watanabe. Uh, I mean, yep. I like Ken Watanabe in almost anything, too. Yeah, but he it's... does almost nothing. Liam Neeson. I think Liam he does Neeson. a really good, calm, laid-back performance. And yeah. I, to be fair, the first time I saw this, I didn't see the big twist coming. Just I, d- I didn't either. I thought that was really interesting. And uh, one of my favorite actors of all time is in this, in a role where he does... He melts again into the role. He's not in any way trying to compete with anybody. He is being this character, and he is Jim Gordon. And for my money, he's my yep. favorite Jim Gordon ever. That's, That's right. That's Gary Oldman. Yeah. Who is, I again, just, that is one of those parts where you go, that was Gary Oldman? Yeah. Yeah. And he's just trying to make things work. He's I'm just afraid a, he's, he, a, yeah. he's a cop who's just like, yep. he isn't Commissioner Gordon yet. He's just... No. A cop. I think he's Captain Gordon. Or no, he's and lieutenant. He's, he's lieutenant in this one. He doesn't make captain. Yeah, and he's just trying to, you know, make do for his family, and he's trying his best on the streets of what is a, pretty much a city that I don't know why anybody would live in it. Yeah. Uh, especially the I, Narrows. Hey, um, like the Joker says, you know, be decent people shouldn't live in Gotham City. Yeah, but, but they, this yeah. time they really mean it. Unfortunately, there's one exception. And yeah. it's kind of glaring, and that is, I'm sorry, it's Katie Holmes. Yeah. And part of this is just, you put Katie Holmes in with these people, she is going to get blown off the screen, which is what happens. I was really glad when they replaced her in the next one with Maggie Gyllenhaal, who is a much better actor. Yeah. I would rather have seen somebody along the lines of Michelle Pfeiffer, because <laughs> she could have she could have handled it. She could have done it. A yeah. lot of other people could have. No offense to Katie Holmes. I'm sure she does very well in Dawson's Creek or whatever else she's done. <laughs> she does not have gravitas. She does not no. have the weight. And it's not just because she weighs 11 pounds. She does not have the, the character to, be, to, to, to stand up against with these people. It just doesn't work. And it stands out because everyone else is amazing. Yeah. And I will have to say, you want your dark and gritty? Here's your dark oh and gritty. Oh, boy. Very dark, very gritty. Gotham City, the city where the sun never shines. It's ugly. Um, even the crime bosses are good enough villains for Batman in this. And they actually make yeah. a lot more sense because they're not over the top. They're not keeping themselves alive with cool lasers or any the, Yeah, any they don't have superpowers. Yeah. We're, we're, much, we're much closer to quote-unquote reality it's still not believable but it feels a lot more likely i guess is that a good word and i think this film also really made people sit up and take note notice and say you know maybe there is something to this superhero genre that maybe could be explored and doesn't have to be pow zip bang um like that 
I remember liking it when it came out. I do think Max is correct. It's a little long. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's too many villains. I would rather have just stuck with the Scarecrow because, quite honestly, he works great. The visuals for him, yeah. the way his gas work, the fact that Batman is not immune to this and what he sees, stuff scary. Yeah, it should be. I also um, like the way Batman looks to the Scarecrow when the Scarecrow's under the effects. Yeah, because it's like okay, he's a little more demonic, but mainly he's just scary. I buy that. Yeah. Um, we do some diving into the character of Bruce Wayne and Batman, um, and it's done, I think, fairly well. We see the origin. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Whatever. But I think also at this point, people were were kind of tired of the whole thing, thinking they'd seen everything. And Chris Nolan, you know, say what you will, basically said, no, you ain't seen nothing yet. And to be yeah. fair, we haven't, because this film is not the strongest of the three. No. Um, does it reflect the times? I'm going to say no, but it's gonna, which is sad. (laughs) Um, things are going to get ugly folks. Uh, of course you already know that. Mm. Um, I think the level of crime as depicted in Batman films always tends to be a bit higher than it possibly could be. Because I think that people would leave like I forget. Or they would declare martial law or something or something. Um, or the criminals would just be running everything. Yeah, and who? Or they'd be quiet about it, though. We yeah, they would do it they behind. Were. They would do it behind the scenes more. <laughs> right, which they probably. Oh, Second which they favorite. definitely aren't doing now here. <laughs> oh yeah, and listening to our podcast. Listening to everything. Um, second favorite take of the Batmobile. It it's. I don't. It doesn't make any sense. It, uh, you can't see anything in it. I actually saw Jay Leno had it show up on his YouTube channel, and he got to drive around in it. Um, there's there's nothing behind you. You can't see anything. It's yeah, fully but functional. you don't care. You don't care. <laughs> what what you hit something, you won't know. Yeah, it is very reminiscent of the Batmobile from Batman: The Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, turns the comic. which is a tank. Yeah, I remember this one point where he's in it, and he says. Oh, Robin, it's so cute. You called this the Batmobile. <laughs> and the only reason that part of dialogue's in there is because you would have no idea what it was talking about yeah. otherwise. But it's kind of this. Yeah. Um, it, I think it made people sit up and take notice. And I, I think, think so. they, not only did they take notice there, but that's when they started paying more attention to what was going on in the comics again. And people were like, yeah, this is what we wanted in the first place. Duh. And those 30 and 40-year-olds that had been reading Batman for the last 30 and 40 years... We're now getting what they wanted. Yep, absolutely. So much so that we got another film after this called The Dark Knight. <laughs> hey, have you heard this? Yeah, no, we've done this. I still have some trivia and a plot, but we'll go through this one quickly as well. Yeah. Budget, $185 millions. That's Ooh-hoo. some money. That's a Take, lot of money. Do you remember? Because this was a big deal. I think it made a billion dollars. It did. <laughs> it made yeah. a billion dollars. Wow. Good <laughs> One Lord. Billion, billion dollars. And one of the reasons I want to do the trivia is because some stuff in here that I do definitely want to touch on because this is a, a hard film. Sure. Apparently, Heath Ledger was so frightening that when he and Kane performed their first scene together, Kane momentarily forgot his lines. Wow. This is Michael Kane, who's been in 800,000 films. Yeah. But this is one of the things I specifically wanted to touch on. The legends of the role of the Joker taking its toll were, according to Ledger's own family, not true. Mm. 
Oh. A lifelong sufferer of insomnia, he often took prescription drugs to get to sleep, sometimes mixing them with other things. This was something his own sister warned him against before and the night before he died. Mm. Also, some stuff I didn't throw in here, but I kept reading people who were on the set said Ledger loved playing this part. He was not uh, down and depressed and all like uptight and, and crazy or anything. They're like, no, he was really enjoying it. Did you miss it? The word Batman does not appear in the title of this film. That's the yeah. first time that's happened, but it will not be the last. Just like last movie, Christian Bale was never allowed on the Bat Pod. This time for good reason. Extra good reason. It was highly dangerous and only a stunt person could handle it. And even then... I believe it. <laughs> yeah. Codenames for this movie were, during filming, Rory's First Kiss, which was named mm -hmm. after Chris Nolan's son, and Oliver's Army when being delivered to theaters. Huh. The Elvis Costello song. Uh, oh, sure. Famous quote, The night is darkest just before the dawn, actually comes from an episode of the 1966 TV show. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> of course it does. This film has received the most Oscar nominations for any comic book-related film. The record yeah. stands at eight. Yeah. But moving on, there's lots more show to come. Mm. Oh boy, this is it. This is the one. Yeah. The Joker is a mysterious, deadly, horrific figure that seems to come out of the underbelly of Gotham itself. And if that weren't bad enough, its public knight, Harvey Dent, is brought down and made a twin horror that only the Batman can face. But he does so alone, now feared by those he seeks to protect. How can this possibly come out well for the Cape Crusader? Spoiler, it can't. The film. We saw this when it came out. We were yeah. both blown away. We did a whole yep. episode on this, but just to touch on it, there had never been a take on the Joker like this. No. We do not know his origin. And I'm going to go out and say, and he's a stronger character for it. I love the fact that every time, you know, did I ever tell you how I got these scars? The story changes every time. And, yeah. and, and yet, he tells it with the same conviction every time. Like, at that, in that moment, he believes it. Yeah. So, we don't know. We don't know what, no. what happened to him. I also like the fact that the Joker is not in any way physically imposing. No. And yet... And this is that gravitas that Max and I talk about. There is no doubt in my mind that if I had been near anybody like that, my chances of coming out of that weren't even going to be 50-50, even if I didn't talk to him. Yeah, it wasn't the sense of phys of like raw power. It was the sheer unpredictability that you had no idea what he would do or when he would do it. No. And where he was coming from, you didn't understand. Like... And you couldn't. There was. There's no way the audience could understand this character, but you still believed there was something in there, and it was really, really dark, and it was really unpleasant. Yeah. The the um, one I will say the one weakness of this movie you have just demonstrated. The Joker is way more interesting to talk about. Yeah. Batman in this movie, and we're supposed to be talking about Batman. Yep. He's fine. Yeah. He does a nice job. He's. As is often the case, the hero is less interesting. They try a few times. I still, I mean, I like the little bits like when he rams, there's the guy the Joker wants people, the police to kill or he'll blow up a hospital. Mm -hmm. And uh, Bruce Wayne rams the car, his car into a would-be assassin. And uh, Gordon is saying, didn't you hear about the hospitals? And he's like, why, do you think I should go to one? 
And it's just, okay, yeah, it's uh, very convincing, this whole, like, oh, yeah, I'm just out of it. I'm just interested in my own stuff. I don't, I don't know anything about what's going on in current events. Yeah. And, you know, and I think we're going to get to that when we do our little wrap-up about Batman as a character. Um, yeah. But, yeah, and here's the other thing is we get Harvey Dent, and they actually make Harvey Dent an interesting character. They do. Never mind that, but the relationship between Batman and Harvey Dent. Because we see a point where, and this is the, one of the interesting points about Bat, uh, Bruce Wayne Batman in this film, is he's getting to a point where he's like, yeah, I've been doing this. I kind of want to stop. Oh, here's a guy. Yeah, This he guy, base- is, he's got it. He's, yeah. he, he knows what to do. People like him. Cool. I can back him. Maybe I work a little in the background on weekends. But Harvey Dent's going to be the guy to clean up Gotham. Mm. That's the way it should be. Awesome. And then it isn't. Yeah. And as he says, you know, look, I can give it up. I can marry Rachel. And, you know, and then it's just heartbreaking because she chose Harvey. And, yeah. yeah. And then, of course. Blows up. And then Harvey is. Yeah. And I, you know, the, I, Harvey going over the edge is, is, I'm not sure if I totally buy it. Yeah. I think that <laughs> if it's the Joker doing the pushing, okay, yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah the Joker's remarkably convincing because you're going, wow, in two minutes he like convinces Harvey to turn on everything he believed in. And you go, yeah, I, I buy it. Yeah, I, it was a little quick, but the film's yeah. already really long. The film, yeah. actually, each one of these films is literally 20 minutes longer than the one before it. So the first one was two, two, uh, two hours and 10. This one's like 2.30, and the next one's 2.50. Um, so, yeah, but the performances all around are great. Um, it feels like whenever Batman would get dark and gritty in the comics, it never got this dark. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think well. the film... That's not true. Really? Joker, Joker beating Tim Drake to death with a crowbar? I think even still, this Joker, I would say, is darker and crazier than that Joker. For the killing joke? The killing joke is mostly a little one-act play with Batman and Joker. Yeah, but that's a really dark, nasty version of the Joker. I think the reason I'd say this is darker is we still have absolutely no idea where he's coming from Uh, or where he's going. Yeah, that's true. He's more like a force of nature. And that point where he's standing in the tunnel, come on, I'm standing here, you're on your little bat he, motorcycle, what are you going to do? Yeah, he, the, well, he's saying, shoot me, come on, yeah. take me out, kill me. And he, and Batman can't do it because that's the character, which is fine. But there is not a sense you get that he's going to move. Bat, no. Joker's just going to stand there. And even if he got hit, he would still do something. I don't know what it would be, but he's already thought of that. That's the other problem, is not only is he really dark and crazy, he's smart. Yeah, he's, he's it, incredibly smart. Ugh. So, Urgh. yeah, uh, I see why it made a billion dollars. In a yeah. way, it's kind of sad because it's so dark. But, well, that's all the Batman we have for this week. But tune in next week for the final wrap-up of episode 200 of Max Mike Movies, The Batman. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. Thank you.